So Money episode 257, Tori Johnson. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Hey everyone, welcome back to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. My guest today, so excited for this lady, Tori Johnson. She's very accomplished. It's actually quite hard to keep up. (laughs) She's an employee turned entrepreneur whose goal in life is to make great things happen for women. And in doing so, she created two multi-million dollar career-focused businesses for women. The first, Women for Hire, a recruitment service offering a variety of career-related information for working women. And the other is called Spark and Hustle, a subscription network for entrepreneurs to come together, to connect and collaborate on their ideas. Tori is also a weekly contributor to ABC's Good Morning America. She's also the author of, get this, seven books, including the New York Times bestseller, The Shift, How I Finally Lost Weight and Discovered a Happier Life. In it, she shares how she shed 62 pounds in a year after her lifelong battle with her weight. That book did tremendously well. It just really changed the way many women in particular look at dieting and body images and losing weight and living healthy. And earlier this month, Tori's sequel to that book, Shift for Good, came out. Simple changes for lasting joy inside and out. In the book, she recounts her journey to personal discovery and the effect it has had on both her professional and personal life. For years, Tori was so focused on the number on the scale and her waist size, but realized even after she lost all the weight, she was still missing something. And so in the latest book, Tori shares with her readers how they can find joy in their daily lives and how they can make this shift for good since she experienced it firsthand as well. Lots of takeaways from our time with Tori, including her number one financial lesson for women of all ages, her greatest financial regret, and I love this part, why focusing solely on your passion, pursuing your passion, isn't exactly a recipe for success. Here is the lovely Tori Johnson. Tori Johnson, welcome to So Money. I've been trying to get you on the show for a while, but you know what? You've been pretty busy and that's okay. <laughs> well, I'm excited to talk to you now. Congratulations on your latest book, Shift for Good. It's a sequel to The Shift, which came out, hit the number one charts on the New York Times bestseller. It was all about your journey to losing weight and discovering a happier life. Your latest book, Shift for, Shift for Good, it goes beyond weight loss and really helps your readers find ways through habits and, and small changes for finding joy and fulfillment both inside and out. You had Tori, you know, before we got on the podcast, I was just gushing about you because for me, especially watching your career progress has been incredibly inspiring because if you go back 10 years, you know, you were Tori Johnson, career expert, and you were the go-to person when it came to women and career and starting businesses and finding your dream job. But there's 
always various sides to all of us. We, you have, you had more to give and more to share. And now we, I really see you as Tori Johnson, expert capital E on a variety of things that matter, not just work, but ha- finding happiness and parenthood. And I feel like you have put yourself and you've put yourself out there. And that's, uh, that's been a real gift to everybody. And for your career, it's been amazing. Was this the plan when you going back to say, or when you first started your cup, your businesses and you were getting on TV, did you have this bigger vision or at what point did you just, did you decide? Cause it seems like it was conscious. I'm going to put myself more out there. I'm going to talk more about my personal journey as, as well as just the professional journey. So it definitely was not planned. I, in fact, I used to um, sort of argue against this, that when you can't sort of clearly articulate exactly who you are and what you do, and there's any ambiguity about that, that um, that you've lost your audience. And I, I still, to this day, like, I have no idea, like, what it would say on a business card or how I even introduce myself, or I'm still sort of, you know, tongue-tied with all of that. And so it definitely was not planned. I'm somebody who um, doesn't really believe in five-year plans, or it's never really worked for me because I'm, I'm not that good at forecasting the future, but I am really good at identifying opportunities, being curious, and sort of going where I'm led. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's not a person, but it's circumstances that lead us to different things. So, you know, I never in a million years set out to write about books, you know, tied to health or personal development, but a conversation with, with a boss sort of put me personally into a situation where, um, for the first time ever, um, I, I lost a lot of weight and, you know, people noticed. And so I, you know, started to, to, to talk about it, um, because people were asking. And so I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to share this story because it's part of who I am and I've hidden things for so long and and I'm going to talk about it and sort of, you know, that took off in a way that I never, ever, ever could have imagined, but I certainly couldn't have planned it, but it was really came about from, from, from a conversation um, at work. And I think a lot of the things that I do evolve from listening, listening to my um, audience, listening to what's happening around me. I'm very much sort of a product of my personality and a product of my, you know, situation. And I'm not really good at, 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 um, planning this as, as, as it's done. I know I'm, I'm not that good. Um, but I'm really good at identifying those opportunities when they arise as has been the case here. But, um, but, but so the short answer is like, and none of it was deliberate, mm-hmm. but I think some of our best career opportunities, um, you know, come about when we're ready, willing, and able to kind of run with something that presents itself. I love that you said that you don't get too caught up and you're not hard on yourself because you can't, you know, define what you do in a nice, neat two sentences and put a bow on it. Because I have that struggle too when I'm at like a networking event or a business breakfast and we're all going around the table. And first of all, I don't carry business cards because it would be like three paragraphs, like what I do. I don't, I don't, there is no like, when I, like, I don't even work, I don't even waste my time on LinkedIn because (laughs) I don't even know like how to identify myself on there. And I think that's kind of, the way the world is shifting, if you think about it, more people are becoming entrepreneurial. They're, we're becoming more curious about doing different things. And I think that's healthy and we should promote that. Totally. I think it is a, 
um, it's a reality that we're interested in a lot of different things. And so I tend to focus on the area of wherever I need to be present at that moment. So if I'm at a a career-related event, that's what I'm talking about, sort of my, you know, my background and expertise and business in that space. If I'm talking to women entrepreneurs, that's sort of the hat I'm wearing and the focus that I have. If I'm at a trade show looking for products for my segment on Good Morning America, my deals and steals segment, like that's the hat I'm wearing. And um, I'm, I think that one of the best things that we can do is sort of adapt as needed to the audience or the environment that we're in if we are people who wear multiple hats. And, and I think that it's a, it's a sign of just an interest, a curiosity, a passion in, in a lot of different areas. Um, you know, some people would argue that it's impossible to be successful in multiple things. Um, for some people, it's essential to be successful in multiple things because that's where their passion and interests are. And, uh, if any one of those things sort of dropped away, you know, they'd be in trouble for a little bit. So I think the time that we're in is really about like making your own rules and following your own rules and sort of going with your gut. And I think that's the thing I'm best at is just like going with my gut. I don't know if what I'm doing is right or wrong, but it sort of, it works for me and that's good enough. It's really empowering because ultimately what the message is, is that you have the, you have the power to shape your life. And you know what? Life is a series of experiments. You're going to fail. You're going to succeed, but it's really, the buck stops with you. And one of the, um, one of your, I guess, habits or advice in the book that I really liked among many is banish if only, you know, we sort of feel like we don't have the control and that, that there's all these, there are all these forces outside of our lives that prevent us from doing the things that we want to do. But that's a real mindset shift that needs to happen. You say. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that too often, and this is particularly challenging for women, you know, we think, if only I had more money, if only I had the better partner, if only I had a bigger house, if only I lived in a different area, if only I had a better staff, a better boss, a better whatever. And it's sort of a convenient crutch that kind of gives us permission to to slack. Like, oh, well, I don't have a better boss and I don't have a bigger house and I don't have a better partner and don't have a lot of money. And so therefore, eh, you know, I'm off the hook. And I think that when we start pursuing sort of what makes today better than yesterday? What makes me happy right now? What's going to sustain me for the next week? You know, we're really focused on being present and creating the best possible opportunities and and, an environment and, and sort of overall well-being today, not based on, you know, when I lose 20 pounds, when I save a hundred thousand dollars, when I get rid of that credit debt, but today, today, you know, what, what, what can make me sort of feel as fulfilled and content as possible each and every day? I think that, um, you know, that's when we get to a really good place. And as we go on this journey, shifting for good, you talk about, We talked about banish if only, and then you mentioned start each day with positive intentions, make smart choices daily. Uh, I like this practice daily calm. When it comes to our money, Tori, and since this is the So Money Show, what would you say is one of your bits of advice if we want to shift for good towards a better financial life? So so this was sort of runs really deep for me. Um, So... One issue is for me, like the idea that retirement is going to be here before I know it. And so I think in terms of 
saving for the day when I can no longer earn. And I think about this a lot because my grandmother has Alzheimer's and she has outlived her money because she she's in her 90s. So it's not about her age. It's about the fact that the, the quality of care that she has is incredibly expensive. And I don't want to be that financial burden on my kids. Um, she is fortunately um, surrounded by a family that's able to take care of her financially. And, and yet most people aren't in that situation. And I think about her every single day as I watch her, um, you know, suffering from just a horrendous, horrendous illness. And I think, though, not just about her personally, and of course, that's first and foremost, but I think about the money aspect of it. And I think about how expensive um, elder care uh, costs are in this country. And so for me, it's constantly being aware of saving for the day when I can no longer earn. And that doesn't mean I can't earn because I'm dead. It means that um, I'm, I'm simply at, at an age or a place in my life or a condition where I cannot earn money anymore. And And I think for too many of us, we think that that time is so far off. We have a long time before we retire. We have a long time before that day comes, or we're definitely going to win the lottery. We're definitely going to sort of hit the jackpot. And, and, and those sort of moments don't come. We don't hit the jackpot. We don't win the library, uh, lottery. Like our Powerball numbers don't come in. And, and I worry about that. I worry about that because I watch a lot of peers, um, sort of living for today as opposed to saving for another day. So for me, that is that is a huge financial philosophy. My dad died unexpectedly at a young age. He was 66 and had pancreatic cancer. And in three weeks from diagnosis to death, that was it. And my mom was left with a financial mess. And it's largely because she didn't talk enough about money. She didn't pay attention to money. And she made assumptions that were entirely wrong about what their financial um, picture looked like. And so um, for me, focusing on the future is very important each and every day. Was that sort of the uh, the mentality growing up as well in your household that money is not something we talk about? What was your exposure to money and finances as a kid growing up in your household? Did you feel like you had a good upbringing in that sense? So I feel like um, I feel like there was always plenty of money to go around, but the the thing that had made the most lasting impression on me is that we hid purchases from my dad. So my mom and I would go out shopping Whoa. or we'd go out with my brother shopping and we'd come home and we'd have to like hide our bags. And I saw an imbalance of, of control of money between my parents and my mom worked. Um, my dad was an architect, very, very successful architect, but my mom um, really supported us when he was um, building a, a fledgling architecture practice when I when I was young, and she made her own money. And yet, my dad controlled how that money was spent. And um, and and we're not even talking about you know um, that long ago, quite, quite frankly. Um, and so they were sort of like not the norm of of other families where. Um, you know, that wasn't happening. And it made a really big impression on me in a couple of ways. Like I was determined to, to not marry a man who thought that he would control the money. Um, I would not raise my kids in a home where anyone had to hide 
any type of money matter. Doesn't matter doesn't matter what that money matter was, whether it was, you know, purchases that we thought were too indulgent or um purchases that were a mistake or um financial trouble that somebody got in. I mean I've wanted money to be sort of front and center because I sort of was I think conditioned to believe that either like by nature or nurture, you know, nice girls don't talk about money. Like we're we're just gonna like just hide this. And um it's such an unhealthy way to think about money. And so um it made a it made a good impression on me in that regard because it forced me to care a lot about money and 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 how I made money and how I mm-hmm. saved and spent money. And good thing it did that because it could have I could see it going the other direction. I could see it really impacting you and ingraining in your in your head that money is something that, you know, spending at least is something to be shameful of or that um you know, it's okay to not to be kind of secretive about about money. Financial infidelity happens a lot in in marriage and in families. It's widespread. So I'm not it's really surprised to hear that. I think we probably had those occasions in my household growing up too. But you knew enough at that point or even soon after that this is not the life that you wanted for yourself. Exactly. And it was me, you know, I, I think it's true. There's some people who sort of repeat history and then there are some people who use history to build a very different future. And um, and I'm glad for me that um, that, I, that I chose a different path from the one that I was raised in. Um, I think the, the area that I'm, that I'm most sort of alike and that I have repeated is that my mom was always like crazy generous with my brother and me and, um, you know, in, incredibly generous. And I've been the same way with my kids and, and not in a way of spoiling, but in a way of... Um, having fun and, and kind of appreciating who we, who we are. So I, so I like that, but, um, but I think it's, um, I think it's wise to know sort of, you know, how you felt about something and whether or not you want to feel the same way going forward. And and we make those choices every day. We make those choices. What was a choice that you made about money that didn't go so well? Did you have ever an experience where, you know, y- you messed up uh, financially yeah. speaking? What What happened? So the biggest for me, um, my my first job, it's actually my second job, my first like big real job was working at NBC News. I was a publicist assist at NBC News, and at the time, NBC was owned by GE. Um, I was in my early twenties, and I had um, a very great 401k. And at the time, um, the, the company match was insanely generous. And so I had amassed like more than $20,000 after only working there for a very short time. And then I was fired from that job. And I thought, you know what, to hell with that company, I'm going to cash out that 401k thinking that I was like, somehow sort of like giving them the finger that I'm going to cash out that 401k. I'm not going to let you people keep my money anymore. And I decided, you know, I wanted a car. I could not have cared less about retirement. I could not have cared less about the value of a 401k. I didn't care about the penalties of withdrawing that. I wanted to buy a car and I wanted that cash immediately. And I think the fury of all of that led to what to this day I would say was like my dumbest financial move ever. And I didn't um, solicit opinions. Um, nobody was offering me their opinion. I sort of just like did it. Um, what was know, the car? It, what kind of car was it? Um, it was a used Toyota Camry. That, oh. <laughs> that was like my, it was like, it was adorable. It was so super cute. It ultimately was stolen from, <laughs> from the Upper West Side. Um, and I actually, that might've been like, could have been a good financial move because I got, it was worth more than I paid for it. And so I actually made a little money on the insurance, Mm. 
but still it it was a bad move cashing out that 401k yeah. um it was it was not it was not a wise thing to do um at all and if i could if i could undo one financial choice in my past it would be that one it would be that one i wish i still had you know, I had had that access to that and could have rolled it over into something else to this day. Not to mention, because I yeah, see how hard it is. Yeah, you to, don't need a car in New York either. I mean, you could have just exactly. been on the subway. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, for a, you could argue for a billion reasons. Like, forget even what I used the money on. Like, just the fact that, like, unless I told you it was, you know, I don't know, like a medical emergency or some major life altering thing that I used that money for. Like, it was. It's just a dumb move. I just, I should not have done it. Well, you live, you learn. And it's nice to hear that this was early, early on in your yeah. career and, and you, yeah. learned, you learned quickly. I, I still though, you know what? I still think about it. I oh, still man. think about it. So, you know. I still well, I still have it. guilty feelings over the, uh, the Banana Republic credit card that I late paid one month <laughs> that came yep. back to haunt me, believe it or not, a few times. Um, so, you know. It's so true. Much and, smaller and you know, than, I would say yeah. that's like probably second for me in college, I signed up for every credit card imaginable. I'd walk into a store, they'd offer me a credit card, I'd sign up for it. It didn't matter that I didn't have a job. It didn't matter that I had no means to pay that credit card. I signed up for every credit card. And I think that that plays into um, a lot of my habits today. Um, and, and the experience of that sort of has stuck with me today and really it, it you know has a, a negative has turned into a positive. Well, you you can't argue that you're not determined. <laughs> you are a determined True. woman. So, exactly. on the flip side of all of this, yeah. what would you say is your greatest financial moment? Your so money moment, where you uh, where you know you're really proud of of how you handled the situation or the choices that you made. Um, I would think overall it's the financial lessons that I've given my kids, um, teaching my kids about earning money and not, not through allowance, not through like we, we never did allowance, um, in, in my house. Um, so not through allowance, but really through, um, teaching my kids, whether it was initially they were eight years old and they had their first lemonade stands, even in New York city, um, my daughter now has a a business, and she spent her whole senior year of high school working on that business, and she was determined to use the money to pay for college and um, chose a very expensive school. She goes to Boston University. It's over $60,000 a year, and she insisted on using money from her business to pay for the, the first semester tuition payment, which was over $30,000. And she said, like, I, I, I earned this money with this goal in mind. You have to let me do this. And I think financial independence might be like one of the greatest gifts that, that I could give my children, that I could pass on to my children. Um, the sense of knowing how to earn money, how to manage money, how to, how to spend it and save it, how to choose what you're going to spend it on. Um, it, those are skills that will last a lifetime. And it's probably the, the thing that I'm most proud about overall. Um, you know, I think is, is, um, you know, a, a big one for me. I think smaller ones are, you know, things like 
cutting up credit cards and and um, you know and getting out of out of credit card debt. But um, but but long term lasting impact is definitely. Um, teaching my kids about um, entrepreneurship and and how to earn money and and even if they ultimately work for other people, knowing that um, they have skills and ability to make money themselves if if it ever comes to needing to do that. That's remarkable. I don't know what I was doing when I was 18, but I definitely wasn't starting a business and paying for my college tuition. Same with me. I can tell you that for sure. And, <laughs> Not and, even and, close. And her, tell us about her business. We want to support her. What's her business? Uh, so um, so Emma's business is called M. John Jewelry. Our website's just mjohnjewelry.com. She's had... Um, some incredible successes. She makes bracelets, but now she's branched out and she does all kinds of jewelry and pouches with really fun sayings on them, um, necklaces. And, and she's just, she's, she's the perfect person at the perfect age to really use social media to launch a business. She reaches out to bloggers and, and reporters and stores and through all of that really Instagram outreach, she has landed her products in a variety of stores across the country. Um, so she's always um, getting wholesale orders and then she sells directly to consumers. She does trunk shows and she now has a program where she has college reps um, selling her stuff on their campuses and She's, she is her customer. She is sort of the ideal business owner selling to herself and her peers. And I think the, the best part is that she absolutely loves doing it and is having so much fun doing it. And so to figure out how to do what you love and make money at it, I think is, um, such a cool reward because it doesn't always work out that way. Um, and I don't think that you can always make money, you know, with a passion. I think a lot of times passion's highly overrated, but yeah. the fact that, she could do something and really love it and make money at it, I think is, you know, is incredible. Well, she obviously has strategy. Girlfriend has strategy. (laughs) Getting college students as her reps, I think is brilliant. That's how, um, the, uh, gosh, what's that email list, uh, that goes out? Um, the, the, uh, the skim, the skim skim. founders, Uh I had them on the show. They have ambassadors at the college level and they're rabid fans, you know, and they, they are why the company is doing so well, or he's partly why. Yep. There's a, there's a lot of power on those campuses. Yeah. Especially when you give them freebies. Exactly. (laughs) They'll go for it. Well, your book, uh, Tori shift for good is chock full of great habits and, uh, kind of lessons that we can, um, we can really easily adapt into our lives. What would you say is your number one financial habit when it comes to, uh, this shift for good? Um, I mean, for me, probably the number one thing is, well, in terms of, in in terms of shifting for good, I mean, the number one thing that I tell women is like, be aware of the money. Like, don't delegate money matters to anybody else. Um, you have to be totally aware of what comes in, where it goes out and how it goes out and sort of every detail about that. Do not delegate money matters to anybody else, whether it's your paycheck or not, um, be financially aware. For me personally, beyond that, um, I'm very much a pay as we go. Um, I got started in credit card debt in college. Um, it came back to haunt me when I went to get a mortgage on the first house that I bought. And, um, I'm very proud that I don't have credit card debt. I, I truly, you know, pay as we go. Um, 
I mean, I have little tiny things that I do, you know, I, from, from that buying that first used car ever since then, um, the premium for a new car isn't worth it to me. So I'll never buy a brand new car. Um, I Google promo codes before I buy anything online. I think I've trained myself to do that. And I've trained everyone in my house to do that because of the deals and steals segment I do every week on Good Morning America. I'm like, before you buy anything, you know, check if there's a promo code. And so I'm just, I feel like I work so hard to earn my money that I want to be a good gatekeeper before I just spend it freely without giving it a lot of thought. And I'm, I spend a lot. I probably spend too much. I'm incredibly generous with my spending, but at least I want to know that I wasn't wasteful. And I think that you can be, you can be generous, you can spend, but being wasteful is sort of, you know, that's where I draw the line. I totally agree. But yet I've had female guests on this show, remarkable entrepreneurs who make seven figures in their sleep. And they tell me, these are their words, I'm good at making money. I'm not good at managing money. So literally they'll have their husband or uh, a bookkeeper do all the money overseeing. They don't even know passwords to accounts. It's quite frightful, actually. And I'm curious, as you've been coaching women, and do you find this to be a recurring theme that, that, you know, I'm good at making money, I'm not good at managing money? It's again, maybe it's these, these stories we tell ourselves, it's these false whispers in our head. It's, I think it's so dangerous, and I do think it's all too common. I applaud the people who own up to it. I think too many people sort of think that they know what's happening behind the scenes with their money. There's, you know, simply because, you know, the, the lights never get turned off and, you know, the electricity works and, and there's gas in the car and sort of everything looks good. And it's only until, you know, trouble comes where they finally discover, oh my gosh, you know, I didn't realize that you know, there was no life insurance, that these bills weren't getting paid, that um, the savings has been depleted. We sometimes don't discover all the stuff that's not happening until it's too late. And so, um, you know, when times are good, those are the times to, to pay attention. Those are the times to, um, you know, say, you know what, once a month I'm going to sit down and I'm really going to understand, you know, where the money's going. I'm not going to wait until um, there's a problem to discover that, oh, gosh, I guess I should have been paying attention all along. And it doesn't matter, you know, how much money you make or how little money you make. I think that um, – Every woman has to be aware of her money situation. Amen. All right, Tori, you've been so great. Let's do some so money fill in the blanks. This is when I start a sentence and you finish it. First thing that comes to mind. Okay. Okay. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say $100 million, the first thing I would do is... The first thing I would do is focus on helping foster care kids. It's something that is so personal to me. It has nothing to do with saving money. It has to do with spending, and it's where that my heart is broken every single time. Um, I've spent a lot of time around foster kids, and I think there's um, – nothing to me that's more heartbreaking than knowing that there are kids who don't have a family, um, are never going to be adopted and, um, are growing up under really, really difficult circumstances. And when we can help somebody really, really young, we build a better future for all of us. One of your tenets in your book is give regularly to others. So, uh, I, I can see where this now is really, um, 
a reality in your life. And and so yeah. along those lines, when you donate, this is actually, I'm going to fast forward to one of the next Mad Libs, which is that when I donate, I like to give to blank because. So I like to give directly to people in need versus large organizations because I want to see my money make a difference. And um, I know that there are some circumstances where um, $1,000 to somebody could make a much bigger impact than $1,000 to an organization. And so um, I'm, I'm much happier and more satisfied being as closely connected to the person that I'm helping. And I have so many examples over the years of that. And it's, it's brought like such great joy because I, I love sort of seeing and meeting the people, um, who, who can be impacted by, by the giving of others. It's immediate. You know, that's, that's yep, exactly. so awesome. No worries about, Oh, is this money actually going to the cause? It's absolutely. When I splurge, I like to now coming. Let's extract from your deals and steals. <laughs> but when, um, when I splurge, I like to spend on travel. So I, uh, I'm, I'm definitely a sucker for like great hotels and room service and shopping while on vacation. I don't know why, but somehow I think that if I buy, you know, really. Ex- expensive shoes or purse while I'm on vacation that, that, that it's okay that I, that I would spend more because I'm away on vacation than I might spend um, if I'm right here at home, even though home in New York City has like the best shopping ever. Um, for some reason, I feel like mm, it's a little more justified if I'm, if I'm away on vacation and right. I do it. <laughs> Exactly. Because it's, it's recreation at that point. It's not shopping. It's, it's part of your yeah. recreation. It's part of your, your, exactly. your voyage. And last exactly. but not least, I'm Tori Johnson. I'm so money because. Um, because I care deeply about women's financial independence, um, our ability to, um, earn money, the way that we want and have our money work for us. Everyone go run and buy Tori's latest book. It's called shift for good, simple changes for lasting joy inside and out. Thank you for making it simple. (laughs) (laughs) No time for complicated, right? No time. And I think simplicity is a lost art in this day and age, believe it or not, because you know, you think like that's a no brainer, but it's, it's really hard to boil things down sometimes and you do it exceptionally well. So thank you very much, Troy. We love watching you on TV and, Um, traveling the country. You work so hard. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And that is a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. If you'd like to learn more about Tori Johnson, her website is ToriJohnson.com. And she's very active on Twitter at Tori Johnson. We've got all this information at SoMoneyPodcast.com where you can also grab the transcript and comments from this episode and all episodes. And of course, you can ask me a question while you're there. Click on Ask Farnoosh and send me your question every Friday. I dedicate the show to answering your questions. So send them over and we will connect. Thanks again to my guest, Tori Johnson, to every single one of you for tuning in. Hope your day is so money. Money.